to Vibrant Life episode 51. I'm Jessica Parker, a holistic health coach with a master's in health psychology and a fitness instructor. So today is January 18th, 2023, and we're gonna talk about childhood obesity today. Some of this is just gonna be in my opinion, but I really just wanna shed some light or shine some light, I should say, on this new American Academy of Pediatrics guideline that was just issued. So it's the first comprehensive guideline on evaluating and treating children and adolescents with obesity. This came out January 9th, 2023. So very recent. So first of all, we have to just acknowledge the fact that it's a problem, right? We know that you don't have to look up statistics, but if you are interested in some statistics, um, one place to look is stateofchildhoodobesity.org. You can actually poke around on there and see where statistics are even in your state. So in Oregon, which is where I am, 13.7% of youth ages 10 to 17, quote, have obesity is how it's worded, giving Oregon a ranking of 36 among the 50 states and DC. The thing is, you know, statistics take a while to compile. I'm really curious to see, curious, but also like afraid to see how numbers have changed since the whole bloated situation. Going back to the new guidelines. So let's just go through the key action statements really quick so you have an idea of really why I wanna talk about it and why I'm concerned. They have five different key action statements. I'm just gonna read them. Comprehensive obesity treatment may include nutrition support, physical activity treatment, behavioral therapy, pharmacotherapy, and metabolic and bariatric surgery. So that right there, just right off the bat, is what I'm concerned about. A, I likely don't agree with them on what their nutrition support means, possibly even the physical activity, quote, treatment. You know, usually I look at things different from most mainstream and want to get to root cause. I want... Um, especially when it comes to the nutrition piece. It's not usually based on current science and research at all. Even if you go to like your clinic nowadays, I can't tell you how many times a client or a friend or, or a family member have told me, and I'm talking recent, that you know they're telling them, oh, you shouldn't be eating eggs or maybe not very many eggs. You shouldn't really be eating meat, like red meat's bad. <laughs> um, make sure you drink juice, you know, all horrible advice, all stuff that that is not true. Um, we know that based on current research. And even, you know, when you eat a certain way yourself and look at your labs, the proof is in the pudding. I'm going to say really quick, there are a lot of people using these new devices that um, just go like stick on your arm. And it's a blood sugar monitor that actually tracks things throughout the day. So it's not just one where you like prick your finger and you can see like right then and there, it, it'll track it throughout the day. So you can actually see you eat something and then you can watch your blood sugar react, however it might react over the course of, you know, a couple hours, which is usually how long it takes to really see what's going on. And, you know, some of these things that we've been told are fine, it's interesting to see how things react. Like dates are one where we're, we've been told, oh, dates are a great thing to use 
if you're making a healthier dessert, for example, because of the fiber involved and it's not a processed sugar. It, it is a good thing to use if you're just gonna use a tiny amount, but in general, basically this guy on Instagram, he, he tested dates the other day, all his whole page, I don't remember his name right now, but his whole page is testing different foods and people will tell him, oh, do this, do this and request certain foods. So it's fascinating, but dates totally spiked his blood sugar, completely spiked his blood sugar as if he just ate a spoonful of regular processed sugar. Another one that I think is interesting, and this has happened with more than just this one example, but we've been told you have carbs, you eat it with a fat or a protein. I've said this, I believed this, you eat it with a fat or a protein, and then you're going to keep your blood sugar from spiking, right? So he had a bagel with cream cheese, and in and, and my mind, I, I mean, I was very interested in seeing the results because you think, well, I mean, I don't eat bagels. I don't eat, I don't eat processed carbs. I do eat some carbs, but I don't eat stuff like that. I don't eat gluten, but I thought, okay, it'll be really interesting because maybe it won't be very bad because of the cream cheese. Oh my gosh, through the roof, through the roof. So anyway, my point is that, you know, we're told certain things based on like, um, standard American diet, the food pyramid, all those things that are just wrong, just backwards. Speaking of that, you may or may not have seen, this actually came out in September of 2022. Um, and for some reason it's recirculating and it seems like more people than ever have seen it. It's just like going through wildfire again, which I think is great because people need to see this. But there was some event at the White House in September of 2022, it was a conference focused on food and nutrition, health and hunger in America. And this person, I want to say a guy, I cannot pronounce the name. I'm not going to try. I want to say a guy, but I could be wrong. But this person was one of the main organizers of the event and is the current dean of the Tufts School of Nutrition. And this person presented a newly designed food pyramid. And... <laughs> In this food pyramid, I will I will have a link below so you can look at it yourself. But um, you know, it's just none of it makes sense. I don't know what the qualifications are for these things. Which, I mean, I don't even know how it could make sense, even if I knew what the qualifications were. But it's really messed up. So you have the first thing is watermelon, and then kale, which you know I have opinions on that. Then the third thing in from the very top of what's like best for you is frosted mini wheats. And then you have unsweetened almond milk, which I would argue is not good for you. And then non-fat frozen yogurt. And then you go, that's all the green, like the green go, good, do it. And then you have the first yellow one is sweet potato fries or chips millet, egg substitute, fried in vegetable oil. Nobody should be eating vegetable oil. And egg substitute, oh my gosh. And then Lucky Charms is in the yellow, right underneath the skinless chicken breast. Um, almond M&Ms is yellow. And the, oh, ice cream cone with nuts. And then you get to the red, there's only three things. Whole egg, fried in butter, cheddar cheese, and ground beef, which all should be in the green. 
this is insanity to me. So anyway, I will link to that. You can look into this. Um, if you're not, <laughs> I mean, it's almost like, is this a joke? This has to be a joke, but no. Um, but if you're not paying attention yet, please do. Really what it comes down to, in my humble opinion, is money. And the food industry and the pharmaceutical industry are in bed together. This is my opinion, but it sure seems to be true that the more reliant we are upon medications and doctors, the more money they make. Therefore, you know, it's a business. It is a business. So the crappier food we eat, the more we're going to need those medications and the doctors because we're going to think something's wrong with us. So it's just this like vicious cycle that we get trapped in and then always listening. Oh, oh, okay. We, I need to eat how I need to, something's clearly wrong with me. I guess I need to take a medication. I guess I'm 13 and I need surgery because I can't get it together. Right? So let's go back to those guidelines because I totally got off track. Very easy for me to do that with this. I get kind of emotional about it. So the first key statement I already read and it had to do with nutrition support, physical activity, blah, 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 and then medication and surgery. Then intensive health behavior and lifestyle treatment while challenging to deliver and not universally available is the most effective known behavioral treatment for childhood obesity. The most effective treatments include 26 or more hours of face-to-face family-based multi-component treatment over a three to 12 month period. Sounds lovely. I'd like to know what exactly that looks like. Evidence-based treatment delivered by trained healthcare professionals with active parent or caregiver involvement has no evidence of harm and can result in less disordered eating. I would agree. Again, I'd like to know more. Those aren't the most concerning things to me. It's the very top one with the medication and surgery. Um, physicians should offer adolescents ages 12 years and older with obesity weight loss pharmacotherapy sure that's not how you say it, according to medication indications, risks and benefits as an adjunct to health behavior and lifestyle treatment. So, so they're going back into the medication. And then the last one is teens age 13. So the medication is ages 12 years and older. The, the surgery is 13 and older teens age 13 and older with severe obesity. So they are saying that BMI of your body mass index of greater than 120% of the 95th percentile for age and sex should be evaluated for metabolic and bariatric surgery. I don't have any words for that. That's quite extreme and quite concerning. So what I see is going on here is, oh my gosh, it's out of control. Let's do something about it. We don't have time to mess around. Let's pull out the, the pills and the surgery. That's how I see it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like this problem is easy to fix. It's very much a huge, huge mess, a ball of just junk. Where do you even start? You know, you have media is involved. And I don't, I don't just mean social media, even just like TV and commercials and movies. You have all the junk in the schools with the cafeteria food, the um, vending machines. Teachers are bringing junk to school or just eating it in front of kids also. I've seen it, staff. You have, um, you know, electronics. You have, of course, the whole bloated pandemic situation that happened where kids were less active than they already are, which is quite sad. 
you know, so we have, and there's more, there's more that I'm not even thinking, thinking of. Well, well, speaking of the pandemic, um, a lot of kids really suffered with isolation and depression and anxiety, which if anybody's ever experienced any of that whatsoever, you know that you're far less motivated to be healthy and to, to eat well, to exercise, all those things. And then, you know, we had the whole situation with parents trying to figure out what to do with their kids during this time. You know, what a mess, what a mess. So, but even previous to that, we were already on this downward spiral. I read earlier that since 1975, obesity has tripled. And that was not just for kids, but in general, obesity has tripled. So a couple of things that I think of, just food and exercise, right? So with food, I mean, it's a problem. It is a problem. The school lunches <clears throat> are not nutrition or nutritious in the slightest. I used to work for the juvenile detention center here in my county and same food there, same food. And I just remember this was right when I was getting into holistic health and really starting to connect dots. And I thought, gosh, these kids are in here. All of them are medicated, you know, which is a whole nother Dr. Phil show, but all of them are medicated. And then we're trying to actually help them while they're in here and make them think about how they can be better people, strategize, turn them back out into society, hopefully to not see them back, right? I mean, that was the goal. That was the goal. It's different than adult corrections, you know, um, with youth corrections. From what I learned, there's a lot more emphasis on we're going to like release you as a better person and with some tools and resources. Well, these kids were in there. This is a typical dinner on this one tray. Pizza, tater tots, canned fruit in syrup, milk or whatever they want to drink, plus some kind of like little packaged dessert. Um, and then they would later have a, a snack, which was like, you know, graham crackers or a packaged cookie or, you know, some kind of like crustables or whatever that garbage is like in a, in a package, um, that kind of thing. So I was really wondering why, I don't understand. They can't feel good, right? They can't feel good on that food. They can't really be thinking clearly and have the kind of motivation they need, even physically have the energy when they're not getting nutrient dense foods. And when, you know, I have, I have a thing about gluten, you know, I have a whole, I, I don't believe people should be eating it, you know? So we're basically feeding them gluten, industrial seed oils, sugar, not a lot of micronutrients involved there. <laughs> at all. And then we're wondering why they're behaving poorly and why they don't have any energy. And I'm, I'm definitely not um, blaming all of their problems on that. I'm simply saying that should be a huge component of why don't we help you feel better from the inside out? I think a lot of kids these days are struggling with not having those basic building blocks for their nutrition. So from the inside out, they're feeling like crap. And then they're, they're, reacting poorly and it's this whole spiral, whole chicken and egg situation. So we have the food um, and then with the exercise, I don't even, 
I don't even like PE these days. I don't think that it's challenging. I think a lot of it is just <sighs> games. A lot of school is simply managing hormones and reacting to like whatever's going on in the world. Um, I, I will shut my mouth. I will not go there, but I don't see a lot of learning going on. And in PE, I actually took my son out of PE when he was in middle school because he, I had started him in on some personal training at the gym and he was doing it several times a week. And then we were also hiking every week. And um, basically I saw no use for what they were doing in PE and they actually signed off on it and he got credit for working out with the personal trainer and, you know, he was far more active than the PE classes. And then we were able to utilize that time better. I like that. I'm not saying everybody has the time and energy and money to do personal training or whatever, but I don't think that PE um, I think we need PE. I think we need to be doing it, but not the way it's being taught in my opinion. So, um, and I saw devices in PE classes sometimes, you know, like bringing in, I don't know what they're called, the things that you quote exercise, but you're plugged into the TV. Why do we have to do that at school? Kids are doing that all day, every day with their devices, you know? So anyway, so Back to the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'll just wrap it all up in this cute little package. I have a very hard time with going from recognizing that there's a problem to we probably need to consider pills and surgery for these kids. If anybody knows anything, you're gonna have this thing inside of you that says this is not okay and you start them in with pills and surgery as children and they're just lifelong patients, essentially. That's what's going on. You're not equipping them or empowering them to just get healthy from the ground up, from the inside out. And I realize that it's very overwhelming. I realize that it is a huge problem but I 1 million percent disagree with this approach. I would love to hear opinions, thoughts and opinions. Um, I, I can think of a lot of things that we could start doing, you know, overhauling the school food programs, teaching more in terms of, you know, teaching kids how to garden and grow their own food. I taught when I worked at the Y several years ago, summer break, we had, we had day camp. So I just taught this little segment every day and I would have like just different groups, different age groups come in and it was crazy and chaotic, but I made something with them every day and it was a smoothie one day. I remember making some kind of like, maybe it was some kind of a yogurt parfait. Maybe one day I think we just did like uh, fruit kebabs or something. Every day it was something nutritious we didn't cook, we didn't have the facility for that kind of thing, but I made them, I did some kind of snack with them and talked about the nutrients and the importance of eating healthy, blah, blah, blah. They freaking loved that. I mean, I didn't expect, I did not expect for them to love it so much. And I, I really, the coolest thing was having parents come to me later and talk about what their kids were telling them at home that they learned. They were so excited, you know, and, oh, can I get this recipe? Can I get that recipe? Um, I thought that was super cool. So 
a lot of times people think, oh my gosh, well, we can't do anything because we're not the parents. We're not the family. Well, we actually can. And when kids are in school for, I don't know, what is it, seven hours a day or more? And then sometimes they have after school care. That's a lot of influence. Plus you have the peers, which we should be using that to our advantage because it, it just becomes like they influence each other and they encourage each other. And so if we're really talking about getting healthy, you know, it might take a minute to really catch on, but, um, but it really could. And, and I personally feel like it needs to start there. I really do. Anyway, well, that is my, uh, <laughs> me on my soapbox today. I would again, love to hear if you have any thoughts, ideas, anything you've noticed. I really, truly just wanted to highlight this in case you haven't seen it. So I will share links below to this stuff if you're interested in looking at it and sharing it. I think it's a good idea to share it. Share it far and wide. People need to know this stuff. When you bring awareness to stuff like this, that's when things actually stop and change. It really does. I've seen a lot of that in the past few years. If you start talking about it and everybody starts knowing about it, the plan changes. I am going to end there and I just want to share with you. So my family, we own Oregon Valley Farm. And if you are interested in grass-fed and finished beef, pasture-raised chicken and pork, um, all the things, we're in Oregon, but we do ship to about 10 different states. I am offering a 10% discount if you use code VibrantLife. So go to OregonValleyFarm.com and you'll see all the things on there. I also have my Warrior Woman Project program starting on Monday, the 23rd. So you still have time to sign up. I will link to that below, but it's basically like keto, but I'm doing a whole overhaul. If you've done keto with me before, it's completely different in terms of we're really focusing on high protein. We're not doing things like nuts and nut flowers and keto treats and stuff like that. We're not doing any of that. And there's going to be an exercise component to it with my virtual classes. If you want, you don't have to do those, but they're there as a resource. Um, but it's four weeks virtual. It's $97, but you also can get $10 off if you use code warrior by Friday and, um, go ahead and get signed up. All right. That's it. Find me at thatvibrantlife.com. Facebook, That Vibrant Life, and Instagram, That Underscore Vibrant Life. Mm -hmm.